giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Chad Pytel, and with me this week is Vanessa Bruce, co-founder of Doe. So you just launched today. We're sitting down. Yes. So thanks for coming in, even though it's launch day. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I was really, we were really excited to come in. Sometimes launches are so just how are you feeling like now the day of do you feel like you're totally distracted and you shouldn't actually be here or is it mostly (laughs) smooth sailing and um it's a mix it's a mix Mm -hmm. there's like peaks and valleys right of the stress level honestly a half hour before I came here I was on the phone with my co-founder Anna like discussing some things that we need to do when I get back in the office in about an hour and a half Mm -hmm. so but other than that like it's just I'm just excited that we we push our product out into the world, honestly, because we've been working on it for a year and it's gone through many iterations and we definitely could have done more probably, but to rip the bandaid off and just put it out there and see what people think is an amazing feeling. Yeah. So the product is dough. Yes. And why don't you tell people what it is? For sure. So Doe is a platform where you can shop from women-owned businesses. And the idea is, is if we direct our purchase power to women-owned, we actually call it wallet power, mm-hmm. uh, we can drive change from the bottom up versus at the policy level, which is more of the top down. The idea is that if every person in the U.S. alone spends $20 a month at a woman-owned business, you can drive over $5 billion to them. And that's really powerful from like an economic equity point, from changing the stats of women only getting 3% of venture capital to changing the idea that there's only 4% women CEOs in the Fortune 500, right? So like that kind of purchase power can really start to change the dynamic of business for Mm -hmm. women. It's a great idea and a great concept, I'm sure. You said it changed along the way, so. It did. How did it change? (laughs) Where did you start out? Um, Well, we started out, honestly, with a coffee conversation a year ago. Anna and I have worked together throughout the years from her first company, Fashion Project, that was based here in Boston. And I've been contracting with her. I also was at an agency prior that I started with two wonderful women. And we had all experienced the frustration of the capital gap, we call it, mm-hmm. with trying to raise money as a woman. And Anna's actually an investor herself at X Factor, so she had that insight as well. And a coffee conversation turned into looking up way too many stats and articles to being like, hey, we directed purchase power to charity through Fashion Project. Why can't we do the same thing for women-owned businesses? Mm-hmm. And that kind of iterated with us throwing up a landing page last summer seeing if people were interested, and that community quickly grew to 20,000 women. So that was really exciting. I shouldn't just say 20,000 women. I should say 20,000 I was going to say, is it just women? It's not just women. Yeah, great. Um, Not just women. I'd say like probably our first batch was primarily women, Mm -hmm. and now we've expanded where we have just a really, a lot of psyched people because we're a community for everyone, not Mm -hmm. just women. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's a really important point because it's definitely important that um, men and women alike spend money at women-owned businesses to make that change. So I realized I went in this long ramble and I didn't even mention what we launched today, though. <laughs> yeah. So what, what did you launch today? Today we launched membership. Mm-hmm. So what that means is you can go to joinjo.com. And when you go there, you'll sign up and you'll get a starter kit with women-owned goodies that we've curated for you. And along with that, you'll get an annual membership to exclusive pricing and free gifts from women-owned businesses. Hundreds are on there from like home and office to apparel to beauty to food and beverage. We're working with brands like Kristen Bell with This Bar Saves Lives. So we're really psyched about that. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure that there have been ups and downs along the way over the last year. 
Yeah. <laughs> what were some of the ups? What was easier than you expected? Just how psyched people and passionate people are about the product. Mm-hmm. Like we knew we were passionate. We knew we were onto something, but just seeing the support we get from our Instagram community when we post meet like meet a founder to like we put out I want to say last winter just a general Facebook ad of being like to one of businesses we want to feature you we want to put you on our website mm-hmm. and the response we got from that and how excited people are and it's not a competition thing right it's a collaboration mm-hmm. thing because mm-hmm. there's so often where it's like oh, you're competing in business to get that customer. But Doe's totally different. Like all the founders want to help each other rise. And that's what's beautiful about it. And that's been really exciting to see. Right. So what's been harder than you expected? Harder than expected. Um, Or not that you expected. If you expected something to be hard and it was, we could also. Yeah, no, it's a great question. That's a great question. Honestly, I'd say two things. So one on the internal side is just hiring in general. Mm-hmm. Is like we've done it before in the past, but finding the right people, right? You want to build like a really great company culture from the bottom up, and that's been really interesting. And we've we have some great people on our team, which is awesome. But it's definitely taken longer than I thought it would. And like you know, we were hoping to launch the product in March, assuming that we'd have a full-time engineer, full-time marketer, et cetera, in the office by December. And instead, you know, we didn't make those hires until mm-hmm. until this month. So that was a different problem that we didn't highly anticipate. And then I'd say the other part is we're really, we're trying to make a platform for all women and making sure we have the diversity factor there. So we've really pushed ourselves to find businesses run by women of color as well. Mm-hmm. And it's not a simple task and it's exciting and we're so psyched that um, we're happy to report that 47% of the businesses on Doe are women of color. That's great. And we want to keep pushing that metric. Mm-hmm. But that was harder than we thought it'd be too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it turns out inequality is a thing. Yes. <laughs> and when you try 100%. to overcome it, you run into the fact that it's a thing. 100%, yes. So I want to talk about each of these things. Let's start with how is Doe funded? How did you get started? So we actually, Anna and I, we're not making any money up until probably January. So we did it all out of our own pocket at first mm-hmm. for the first six months, just testing, iterating, really our time more than anything. And then we went out and fundraised last fall and closed our round in January. So we're led by Flybridge Ventures. Uh, we raised $1.4 million, which is exciting, and also led by partners like Able Partners, who has invested in great woman-owned companies as well. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting. Was fundraising what you expected or more difficult, challenging? I need to give a lot of credit to Anna on mm-hmm. this one. She is magical and wonderful at fundraising. She closed our round in like eight weeks. It was my first time on that side of the table. Because I've always been, I've been at startups and I've been in like the room with the board meetings, but I Mm -hmm. haven't actually been on the fundraising end. And it was super interesting, but I don't want to say it was easier than I thought, but it was because of Anna, I want to say. So I want to give her the credit Mm -hmm. there, but I know how hard it is talking to other women who are currently fundraising. Mm -hmm. So give her a lot of props. (laughs) What was the pitch to the investors? Is the pitch to investors what you've launched today? 100%. Yeah, <laughs> it is actually. Uh, the membership platform with driving dollars women owned. We had a whole five-year plan in there, which includes some really exciting stuff for the future, but all driven by membership. Because mm-hmm. like I said, we're not taking any money from the women-owned businesses. It's completely for membership dues. So that was what we pitched them in this idea of change. And we also pitched them how quickly we grew our community. 
last summer, part of our effort of growing our community was to do a rally day on Women's Equality Day on August mm. 26th. And we had a bunch of women wearing T-shirts that said, Determine We Rise, and commenting about it and commenting about the stats. And like that growth, that organic growth was really important to us. So, mm-hmm. And that was important to our pitch and our investors mm-hmm. to see that traction. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody what your background is. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So I kicked off my career agency side um, early on in my 20s before moving on over to the startup world. So I kicked off agency side as a graphic slash digital designer. UX designer wasn't really a thing yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Then transformed over to the UX product design side um, in the startup world, kicking off at Swirl and then moving on over to Sense, which is still here in Boston, which is awesome. And then from there, I actually started an agency with two other women and we scaled that to over a half million in revenue in two years between the three of us. And that was a really exciting journey. And we saw so many problems and solutions and product launches through that. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was exciting. So background is mainly design turned like founder. Yeah. (laughs) And so given the background in design, are you doing design on Mm -hmm. Doe? Yep. (laughs) A little bit of everything on Mm -hmm. Doe. We have an amazing designer on staff as well. She came from Digitas. I've worked with her for two years. She was prior with me at the agency Six Things as an intern back in the day, and then she went on in Digitas. She's great. But yeah, as a founder, there's there's only five of us on the team. So honestly, all of us are doing a mix of everything. Like My day can start from running an Instagram caption to going to design the whole marketing site to coding until three in the morning to get that marketing site live for mm-hmm. launch today. So mm-hmm. that is, that's my day. And I actually mix into that some marketing strategy and product strategy, pitching, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Do you have any tips or tricks for how, <laughs> uh, how do you balance all oh, of man. the different things and context switch between them? I try to time block my days or like theme my days is a really big thing. Yeah, You know, things will distract you, but we actually as a team, as a part of our culture, we have three days in office, two days at home. And those two days at home are focus time, and that's when I do a lot of my design, more of the strategy thinking, the coding. And in office, it's more of that, like, okay, let's talk marketing, let's, like, critique, let's go through things, and theming and time blocking in respecting each other as a team and knowing that everyone's doing their job is so important. And that's how I'm able to, I feel like, do my best work is knowing that we're Mm -hmm. all all in it together. Mm -hmm. So. We have a policy where we'll, you know, put snooze on Slack and just put all the notifications down and right. <laughs> have that heads down time. And so you mentioned the team is five. So yes. what are the other roles on the team? Yeah. So there's myself and Anna. We're the co-founders. Uh, my wheelhouse is definitely more that product mm-hmm. side. Mixed with a little bit of marketing and content in there. Anna's doing a little bit of marketing content as well. And then her wheelhouse is really the partnership side. She's really great at that. Then we have on board Christine, who was Anna's co-founder at Fashion Project, actually. So she synced into our team really well. And she's actually now heading up partnerships completely on the business side. And then we have Lindsay, who's our designer, and Kristen, who's our content and community manager. Mm-hmm. So those are uh, the five of us. What do you think your next hire is going to be? We actually have an engineer starting on July 1st. Her name's Erica, and I'm so psyched for her to be <laughs> in the office. <laughs> and then we also have um, our marketing role that we're, we're close to filling. Okay. So. So from a technical perspective, are you on any sort of platform or anything, or are you, you have you built everything from scratch? Funny story. Um, so <laughs> we're on a platform that people are probably going to be like, why are you on there? Uh, we're actually on Squarespace uh-huh. for most of our content. And we did that because I've built custom applications in the past. And the ability to have your team just being able to go in and make content, because yeah. in reality, we're a content powerhouse. We have 100 businesses in there with their stories, with their products. We needed a platform that was easy to use for the whole team. 
our membership site itself that you actually, when you log in, that's custom, mm -hmm. that was built, but it's pulling in the data from Squarespace. Mm -hmm. So that way our team can say agile, we can have anyone on the team make an entry quickly for a featured business and push it on over to mm -hmm. the custom site. So it's kind of like a hybrid so situation. If you're, if you're just hiring your first engineer now, yeah. how did you get that built? Uh, agency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about all the choices that went into that. Um, we really wanted to build it in-house. We wanted, mm -hmm. like I said earlier, we wanted to hire an engineer pretty early on, two of them actually. And the search just took longer than we thought for the right person. And like I said, Anna and I both want to build a really great culture from the mm -hmm. bottom up. And we don't want to hire for expediency. We want to hire because they're the right fit for, for Doe. Yeah. So how did you choose the agency that you um, Word of mouth recommendation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is the agency women-owned? They are not, but we actually requested that we had women engineers on the project. Mm -hmm. yeah. So your team so far is entirely women, right? We are, yes, but we will be. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to hire men. It's yeah. not, it just well, happened that no, way. Uh, yeah. yeah. So well, how intentional was that versus that's just the way it worked out given what your product is? Um, honestly, it is just the way it worked out. We actually made an offer to an amazing, amazing engineer who was who was a guy uh, mm -hmm. to be our VP. You know, and it's just as, as you know, offers go, engineering right. is a very competitive field. Um, it didn't work out, but, so I wouldn't say it was intentional that we ended up all women. It just, it just organically happened that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we... We definitely are open to having a guy on the team because we, we think that would be a great perspective for someone to be working on yeah. this product because allies are so important. I honestly have my husband look at it every day and I'm like, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. It's interesting because your scenario happens so infrequently. You know, we know <laughs> I started ThoughtBot with a team of five people, but they were all men. Yeah. And we know that that set us up on a path to make it hard to mm -hmm. hire women Ever, yeah. because no one wants to be the first one. I've been the first one, <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly. Right. So I've been on that side. <laughs> so I wonder what it'll be like to have the reverse scenario and whether it will actually prove difficult the further down the road you go and whether yeah. you know, ultimately it matters. We should um, reconnect. When yeah. we, when we, I'm sure we will hire someone hopefully this summer. So mm -hmm. we will reconnect on that for sure. Yeah. So now we're going to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor. Those of you who listen to the podcast regularly may remember that ThoughtBot actually started off basically doing everything that people would pay us to do with computers, including technical support. And one of the biggest pains that we had when doing that technical support was securely remotely connecting to people's desktops to be able to help them. There was nothing more frustrating than walking through something over the phone with somebody and telling them, click on this. Okay, do you see this? And not being able to see it for myself. Well, there's a product out there called ISL Online that helps with that problem. It's a secure and reliable remote desktop software so that you can support your customers and access even unattended computers. It's affordable and it works. It's called ISL Online. You can access Windows, Linux, or Mac remote computers in less than three seconds and help your clients the moment they need you. ISL Online will fully customize the remote desktop app to match your brand even. So if you have that support company, or you want to match your brand, you can do that. You can even set up permanent remote access by installing a remote access agent on any Windows or Mac computer. And you can use your phone, iPad, Android, Android tablet to access those computers as well so you can help your customers on the go. ISL Online is fully compliant with strict security standards industry expects. 
ISL Online users are IT professionals and help desk technicians from small and medium-sized businesses to Fortune 500 companies. Companies like Konica Minolta, Canon, IDEX, AT&T, Mitsubishi Chemical, and Avast, they all trust ISL Online for their remote desktop needs. There's no limit to the number of users, workstations, installations, or clients that you can support. So visit islonline.com slash giantrobots to learn more and sign up for their full-featured free trial. How intentional are you internally about these things? You mentioned it sounds like you have a special schedule, so that's probably pretty intentional, like Mm -hmm. a choice that you made. But how much are you thinking about these kinds of things, like what kind of company we want to have, what kind of team we want to have? Very, very actively. With our mission, we didn't want to just talk the talk. We wanted to walk it, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a transparent pay scale, for instance. Um, Very intentionally set that because we feel like when we read studies on the pay gap, one of the biggest things is people not knowing what Mm -hmm. you should be paid. So we actually modeled ours after after Buffer. Have you seen Buffer's transparent pay? I have, yeah. Yeah, so we did ours off of that. So that was super intentional to our culture and building that there. Um, we actually offer a shop woman-owned stipend every month to mm-hmm. our employees as well because it's like, hey, we're building something to shop from woman-owned products. Everyone on the team should be also shopping woman-owned. Mm-hmm. So here's a stipend to do that, which is really exciting. So I think like the mix of those things and finding people who are just passionate about making a change in the world is how we're building our team. So hiring, you mentioned, has been a challenge. Have you tried to do anything differently? There is more we could have done, honestly. Like we, mm-hmm. we haven't worked a lot with recruiters yet. Um, it's been a lot of grassroots kind of putting up a job posting on AngelList or LinkedIn mm-hmm. and hoping people see it. And also, you know, word of mouth referrals are, are so important. That's actually how we got a couple of our interviews. But there is more we could do there for sure. So when I say hiring's a challenge, it's definitely more challenging than I thought it was because I'm like, oh my god, why aren't people so psyched about right. this company? Uh, right. And I know they are, but it's like we're just not discovered yet. We're we're so mm-hmm. tiny in the mm-hmm. in the retrospect of what we'll be. So that's been interesting. Yeah. In some ways, it is about people discovering you. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so in general, we don't work with recruiters. Oh, that's great to um, know. Because the value that they bring is really low. Oh, interesting. But that's in part because we don't really have a discoverability problem. Like mm-hmm. if, if you yeah. exist in our communities that we hire from and the technology we use and the design that we use, people know about us. And so we don't. That's great. We get lots of applicants. And so the value that a recruiter brings is pretty minimal because we don't have a candidate problem. Yeah. That's a great not right. problem to have. <laughs> but for a company like you, it might be valuable. Yeah. Because if there's lots of people out there who just aren't knowing about you, but otherwise would be a good fit, it could help. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, we've talked about it too, is that I feel like, yeah, the bigger we get, we'll probably, that'll become less and less of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we have partnered with some local Boston communities too. Um, Hack Diversity is one of them mm-hmm. to meet candidates, which has been super exciting. So I'm actually a mentor there. and. They've been amazing. Like Angela has been sending us candidates to talk to. And even if like it's not a fit now, like, hey, yeah, let's talk within like the year. Yeah. I would really encourage you to, as you think about growing your team, incorporating learning and education into that mm-hmm. because otherwise you will have trouble hiring <laughs> people who are historically underrepresented in tech. And you probably won't be able to build the size team that you want. Everyone holds out for that senior engineer that is really expensive and really hard to hire. 
and that might take three to six months. And in that three to six months, you could have been investing in somebody 100%. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I totally agree with the idea, like, like I said, we're, we're trying to be hyper aware of not only diversity on our platform, but on our team, because mm-hmm. we want to build a community for everybody and we want all perspectives and we believe we will change the world better that way. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah. As you think about, I know you probably don't want to like share future plans. <laughs> <laughs> so you said the next hiring is, that you do is hopefully an engineer. All right, yes, oh, so, July 1st. Okay, so so <laughs> she starts July 1st and then marketing. Yes. Do you feel like you're on the upswing with like that you don't have a lot of blockers or challenges right now and you just need to execute? Um, we need to execute. Our biggest blocker right now is probably engineering, like having mm-hmm. someone in-house would be huge because we got the product nailed down. We got partnerships nailed down. But honestly, our biggest problem has been probably has been bandwidth. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when we make those hires, it will it will dramatically change how quickly we're moving. And also take, you know, things off like everyone's played across the team because we're all pitching yeah. in on those roles right yeah. now, essentially. But our next hires, we are going to hire one more engineer because we definitely believe in having at least a duo, mm-hmm. not just a single. Same with design, right? You should always have two. And then from there, it depends on how we grow, right? Depends on how we pivot, how mm-hmm. we move. Like We definitely know today's not the finish line. Today's the starting line. Yeah. yeah, we're going to be iterating over the next couple couple weeks, months, years. How much do you, either personally or as a company, think about the future? It's interesting. So I think about the future a lot, but I definitely get caught in the weeds of the every day, mm-hmm. as you can do when you're at when you're mm-hmm. especially during launch time. But as a team, we're trying to encourage that long vision thinking for sure. So we actually, you know, we have an idea Slack channel and we, everyone is throwing ideas in there and we go through them and Anna and I try to have discussions at least once a week about the future. And I think, you know, having that mix of like executing, getting things done, but also that big picture in the sky cloud stuff is so, so important Mm -hmm. to balance. So a mix. Yeah. Are there any things that you see out in the future as, oh, we need to be preparing for this challenge? Or this is really going to get in our way? I think right now our biggest challenge is more just the visibility standpoint, Mm -hmm. right? So that will be the summer and seeing where that ends up. And we have the way um, we've built our long-term vision is we, it's not just a straight line, right? Mm -hmm. It depends on how all these other pathways turn out. Mm -hmm. So we're prepared for that. But right now it's all about let's get it out there. Let's get people talking about it. Let's get people psyched about it. Like spend mm-hmm. money at Women Owned and go from there. Since your product is the subscription box and that's going to be... Uh, not just... It's not a box. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to point that out quickly. Clarify what what it, what it is. So you get a you do get a box. You get a starter. Mm-hmm. We call it the starter kit. Yeah. Though the annual subscription is actually the exclusive deals and gifts from Women Owned Businesses. Yeah. So think of it like we've been attuning it to like a buying club for women, a AAA for women, yep. but you get some fun goodies along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I was distracted yeah. by the starter kit. Yeah. That has been actually an <laughs> early learning of how to phrase that box. Yeah. 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 You get the starter kit, then you have the deals and the ongoing things. There's sometimes I talk to people and it's like, you know, if at the end of the day we do X, but our business wasn't successful, we'll still have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, I don't want to speak for you, but you know, I can imagine what that would be for a business like yours. Yeah. Like you're talking about like the different ways we can pivot mm-hmm. depending on what people like. Oh, for sure. For sure. We've talked about 
for the box, for instance, right? Does that become a quarterly box? Mm-hmm. Do we do monthly membership versus annual? How does the pricing work out? Like we have all these kind of test scenarios running through our head, and and we actually tested a couple on some landing page campaigns with some of our list. Right. But yeah. Or even just where you say like, you know what? I'm just this is totally hypothetical, yeah. but it's where it's like, oh, you know, we introduced this customer of ours to this woman-owned business. Mm-hmm. And there's no longer any deals for them or anything, but they're a repeat customer of that yep. business. And so we've accomplished our mission, but we're not capturing any ongoing value for that relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. We're still winning because we're yeah. accomplishing our mission, but it's a business problem. 100%. I mean, I think our goal is that with our customers, like our members, our community, they will be coming back for that discovery factor and also that community factor, right? Mm-hmm. So we, along with the deals with women, like we also are going to have interviews, Q&As, like you're really getting to meet these women behind the businesses, right? Our hypothesis is that the community factor and that like pull of like being a part of something yeah. is what's going to drive. And we obviously, like we have lots of ideas and future ideas for how we're going to expand and keep iterating the product um, down the line. But um, that will hopefully help with that problem as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to like give too much information away. If you can tell, I keep stopping <laughs> I myself. Totally, I totally understand. <laughs> it's interesting because we haven't been big at ThoughtBot around like long-term forecasts and like being worried about like, you know, this thing that might happen three years from now or yeah. five years from now. And when we work on products, which we do a lot of, Mm -hmm. it's a similar thing. It's like we're working iteratively. We're learning as we go because you can't predict what problems you're going to have. 100%, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we were talking, people might go into our product and be like, oh, why can't I just have one shopping cart, right? And we've thought about that problem Mm -hmm. and like things like that, right? So listening to your members and who's using it is so important. So when I say we have a long-term vision, like we definitely have ideas. We have, we know where we want to go, but the way you get to that destination, depending on how our members react, is going to kind of dictate that path. Mm-hmm. So technically, you have a marketplace. That's an interesting question. I wouldn't exactly call it a marketplace because you can't shop directly on Doe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's been the thing. Long-term vision, I can say that would be mm-hmm. an eventual marketplace. You're right. It's not exactly a marketplace, but you have two sides. Uh, you know, you have your users and customers mm-hmm. that you're connecting with the merchants. Yeah. Know. So it's really like that we're, we're bringing them together, right? And we realize that, you know, we've been in the space as founders ourselves for a while, like especially Anna and myself, like in these founder women mm-hmm. communities. And there's, there's so, so many great communities connecting female founders with female founders. But the idea of connecting a conscious consumer with a woman-owned business, mm-hmm. not there yet. So Now, when you think goal. about building up the two sides of that, is there a side where you've focused more energy saying this is more important right now for our business? It depends on who you talk to. Yeah. Right? So on the partnership side, it would definitely be the, the female founders. And they're, they're a great community. They've been awesome. If you talk to myself and Lindsay, who's more mm-hmm. on the product side, we're going to be like, it's all about our change makers, about our members. Mm-hmm. So, But in reality, that balance of opinion is so important. And I think like as you build a team, to have that contrasting opinion, to always be mm-hmm. building both mm-hmm. is great. So you would say overall you, you've dedicated sort of similar time Mm -hmm. and resources to building both sides of it at the same time. Yeah. uh, We complement each other as a team, right? Uh Because one team's pushing for one and the other's pushing for the other. Oftentimes we'll talk 
with people who have built similar things, either marketplaces or, or similar things. Mm-hmm. They find it really helpful to limit in some way, whether that yes. be geography or mm-hmm. whatever. Are there other limits you've put on how you've built? We did, yes. So when we put out our application for women-owned businesses, we had a lot of service businesses coming through, mm-hmm. a lot of local businesses coming through. And we made the decision up front to focus purely on products that are sold online. Mm. So it has to be something that you can purchase online versus like we want to launch with services. We have some great woman-owned companies in there. And we were super clear with our messaging when they when they applied, like, hey, love your business. We're going to open to services eventually, but first we need to start with, mm-hmm. with physical products. And why did you make that decision? Uh, we made that decision because that way it's more at a national scale versus a local scale. Mm-hmm. Anybody in the U.S. or even across the world can go on dough and shop from a candle maker in Brooklyn to someone making turmeric mm-hmm. cleanse um, in L.A. as long as they ship. <laughs> so you feel more are. confident about building a national user base than 100%. a local one? Yeah. What makes you more comfortable with that? <laughs> Fast experiences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've worked on a couple startups where uh, the local component happened. And Boston's an awesome community. We're so tight-knit. And we've realized a lot, if you want to go to those local marketplaces, sometimes you need to start with the bigger ones like New York or L.A. Mm-hmm. And second thought on that, there's a couple of reasons why. The second thought on that is Anna's actually from the Midwest. In the middle of the country, women can actually be overlooked a lot by the coastal mm-hmm. cities, you know. And so, again, going back to the mission of we want to build a platform for all people to be able to contribute and shop and make a change. We're going to take a quick break to tell you about another one of today's sponsors. Are you on your way to work right now? On your way out to work? Are you dreading coming into the office? Stop living for the weekend and start doing what you love with Indeed Prime. They'll help you skip irrelevant engineering, product design, and other tech roles to help you go further in your career. One free application on Indeed Prime puts tech candidates in front of thousands of companies like PayPal, Twilio, and WP Engine across more than 90 cities. It's that simple. They'll match you to the right role based on your needs. All their candidates also get one-on-one access to technical career coaching, resume reviews, mock interviews, and even salary negotiation tips to seal the deal. So whether you're hiring or looking, meet your match on Indeed Prime. Join now at www.indeedprime.com slash ThoughtBot. That's www.indeedprime.com slash ThoughtBot. So you've raised $1.4 million, yes. which is a good amount of money, to, yeah. to don't get me wrong, but it's not... No. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not, not endgame. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, especially if you're trying to build a national audience, how do you balance and make sure that you don't overspend on mm-hmm. marketing and that kind of thing? Well, you know, like... All startups go in a pitch venture. We have our financial model. We have what we expect to spend monthly. We also, though, what's unique about our model is we should be actually making a profit mm-hmm. by end of summer for the latest. Mm-hmm. So that is a big part of our goal. And then we'll be on the fundraising trail again, probably at the end of this year, early next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a plan. We have plans that if things go awry, how to scale back. Mm-hmm. It's easy to scale back on marketing spend and things like that if we need to but not that we want to. (laughs) Even though you're working to build a national audience, are there areas where you're focused or or more comfortable? So actually, on a national focus, we've really tried to, along with the products, if you've been on the site, we've also tried to stream it down to certain categories, Mm -hmm. making sure we have a mix of those categories. And we feel that having that can help with the national presence. 
we're going to definitely add personalization to the platform down the line too so we can actually get a closer idea of what our members want to shop for. So when a mom signs in, if she's really shopping for her family, she'll see all the family products when she logs in. If mm-hmm. you got more of a traveler or like fashionista, they'll see that mix when they go in. It's definitely, I get the UX problem of trying to like go this big scale at first, but it just felt right with us with the passion of our community and where they were when they were all across the states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So you mentioned that the membership platform is a custom app that you had built with an agency. Mm-hmm. How involved were you in the building of that with that agency? Were you the designer and front-end developer working alongside of them, or did they handle all of it? They handled all front-end dev on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal is, you know, we're going to eventually be doing some sort of code transfer, right, so that our internal team can start building in there. Um, but for expediency factor, the agency built it all, but we we designed and did the whole product flows, mm-hmm. like the user flows, everything to do with that. And then we hand it off yeah. the design. And we've been very involved in, you know, the visual QA process. Uh, me and Lindsay uh-huh. have definitely been sending lines of CSS to be like, hey, can we <laughs> well, fix this? Uh, since you're a front end person, mm-hmm. is there anything where came down to individual decisions where you're like, oh, we have to trust, like, whether it be like, oh, they're going to use BEM or we're, they're not going <laughs> to use BEM or whatever. Like, Yeah, we... <laughs> we trusted them with setting up those foundations because mm-hmm. we needed to establish that trust. Um, both Lindsay and I, who are the front end side of it on our internal team, we were confident we'd be comfortable once we actually are mm-hmm. onboarded onto the code base mm-hmm. to be able to edit it. So if you haven't been working on that part of things, where have you spent your time in terms of the design and development? Yeah. So, you know, up front, it was the wireframing, the visual design, getting all that in key. Along with that, it's been working very closely with our agency as the progress was made, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of QAing as we went. Another big chunk of my time has been marketing and content, which has been surprising because I've never done that in my career, mm-hmm. but that has been a big part of this this venture. And then uh, the last part I'd say would be our marketing site. So Lindsay and myself uh, designed that whole site and coded that ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that was like our piece of mm-hmm. the puzzle. On top of Squarespace. Yeah, so that was on top of Squarespace with probably like 3,000 extra lines of yeah. CSS Yeah, in so there. a lot of people don't know, like <laughs> both Squarespace, Shopify too, like yeah. you can fully customize the yes. templates. You can really get in there and actually blow everything away and start from scratch with their uh, templating language if you wanted to. You know, we used one of their themes to like mm-hmm. start and have really stripped it probably down to the mm-hmm. foundation and built it back up. The way I code, especially in Squarespace, is a lot of um, inspecting and finding those classes to mm-hmm. sw- swap around, finding that those pieces of the puzzle. I've gotten pretty good at now knowing what all of their, how they categorize all their classes, so that's helpful. The second part is we use a lot of markdown blocks actually to do mm-hmm. any like fun custom stuff in there. But as I said, like we try to do a mix of custom that our team can also use. So it's not just myself or the engineering or Lindsay in there. Mm-hmm. Like Kristen can go in there and make content. Christine and Anna can go in there to like help build a partnership page, things like that. And I've learned that startups like that, I just call that like team scalability is like yeah. so important if you want to be able to run fast as a startup. Yeah. yeah. So. In terms of those architecture and technical decisions that you've made, are all of them holding up? You feel good about them so I do. far? Good. I do. Some people roll their eyes at me when I say we're on Squarespace and not on Shopify. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, it's it's been working really well for our team. And I know down the line, we're going to probably have to build something custom as we grow. Mm-hmm. It's just the reality of we're hopefully going to have thousands of businesses on there. And there's definitely, you know, a limit you hit with both Squarespace or Shopify mm-hmm. with that ability. But right now, it, it's it's working great for our team. 
the reality is, is almost any business, particularly e-commerce ones as they scale, we work with a lot of them, almost all of them replatform at some point, yes. meaning they throw everything that they had away and move to something else. 100% prepared for and that. I, so I don't want to say it doesn't matter what you choose, but it almost doesn't matter what you choose as long as it works well for you at the stage you're at. Exactly. Then. There's so many fun things we could have gone the custom route, right? Mm-hmm. But like we probably wouldn't have been able to populate hundreds of businesses as quickly as we did, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea that we could pull that data into a custom site and have that data ready to make all of our landing page campaigns for marketing was was huge. Mm-hmm. Another thing we did as a team too in Squarespace, which is fun that you can do, is we just made a template index page mm-hmm. with like modules of our UI blocks. And anyone on the team can just copy and paste those and use them. So that's where we have a so whole it's like style, a style guide. guide. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So when you hire the engineers and and take over from the agency, mm-hmm. are you going to take over everything as well? How do you see your role <laughs> transforming over the next six months to a year? Yeah, it can vary, right? Like it's mm-hmm. I just have to say, you know, you never know what's gonna happen. The ideal scenario right now is probably I'll be able to focus fully on product. Mm-hmm. Like really thinking through iterative features and what we can add in there and probably spending less time coding, though somehow I know I'm still going to be in that code base. It's just who I am. I'm going to end up back in there. (laughs) Um, But for the most part, product will be my wheelhouse. And Erica, who's joining our team, engineering will be Mm -hmm. be her domain. As a founder and as a CEO who's a designer and developer, I know that I couldn't do this for 16 years if I didn't also still do design and development. Yeah. (laughs) So I think it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to hear. It does really help that we're a consulting company because it allows me the flexibility to come in and out of things or projects to ultimately end. And so I could sign up for something and be involved in it pretty heavily for three or four months, but then I know it will end at that point. And that isn't the case. Well, hopefully it's not the case for your product. (laughs) Yeah, it's different. It's it's interesting coming from agency to the one product realm because you're right, an agency... I was heading up design and development at um, Six Things, but like you said, the project was done mm-hmm. in a couple months <laughs> versus now it's like, okay, where are we off to next? Mm-hmm. What are we building next? So, Well, it's great. I wish you and the team so much luck. Well, Thank you don't you. need luck. You just... <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. I don't know what I, I... What should I wish people instead of luck? What do you think? Oh, man. That is a great question. <laughs> I think luck is a certain part of business. Mm-hmm. For example, I used to say all the time that we got lucky when we switched to Ruby on Rails because we were the first consulting company in the world to switch to Ruby on Rails. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We didn't know it when we made that choice, so mm-hmm. it felt like luck. Yeah. But I now realize that like, had we not been willing to make that choice, then it wouldn't have happened because being the first, being one of the only, create your niche, and then people can find you. And you know, we were listed on rubyonrails.org there was a slash consulting page linked from the homepage and we were one of three oh, companies nice. there. And yeah. So it felt like luck, but if we hadn't sort of been willing to say, this is what we believe and we're excited by it and we're yeah. fulfilled by it, here's what we're going to do. And being willing to have that principled idea of what we were and who we were, then we wouldn't have put ourselves in a position to be lucky. That is a really great way to put it. it really so is. like it can feel <laughs> like luck, but I, I'm success. Gonna... I, <laughs> I wish you all the success. Success. I think what you said about something about being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. I wish you a fulfilling and like joyful adventure. Oh, that's nice. It, there's going to be peaks and valleys, but 
Yeah. No matter where where it ends or where it begins, it'll be great. That's awesome. Yeah. If people want to find out more about dough, where can they do that? Yeah, you can go to joindough.com. And we're also on Instagram at joindough. So those are our two places to go. Awesome. And if people want to get in touch with you or that kind of thing, where's the best place to follow along with you? I'm on Instagram as Vanessa Creates, but it's private, but I'll turn it to public again. I went through, <laughs> I go through stints where I go back and forth. I'm going to turn it to public again, but also just you can email me at Vanessa at I'm always listening. I might not get back right away, but I'll get back within a week. Vanessa, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at GiantRobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at GiantRobots.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at CPytel. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thank you to ISL Online and Indeed Prime for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you for listening and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, San Francisco, New York, London, Austin, and Raleigh, let's build something great together.